me lift up the name of Jesus. house this morning are you thankful to be in his presence are you thankful to be in his house Woo! feels good to be in his house on a Sunday morning you can make your way back to your seats let's remain standing for the reading of the word of the Lord man I just want to thank Bishop for trusting me to deliver the word of the Lord this morning if you haven't already noticed, I am not the pastor or bishop of this house. He's out of town on assignment. I can guarantee you he wish he was, wishes he was here. So if you come back next Sunday, I'm telling you, your socks will get blown off. So make sure you wear two pairs. Amen. I want to hasten to the word of the Lord. Mark chapter number two. I counted an honor to stand behind this desk. Mark chapter number 2, beginning at verse number 1. Is anybody coming to, to receive something from God this morning? The Bible says, And again he entered into Capernaum after some days, and it was noised that he was in the house. Somebody say, he was in the house. And straightway many were gathered together in so much that there was no room to receive them. No, not so much as about the door. And he preached the word unto them. And they come unto him, bringing one sick of the palsy, which was born of four. And when they could not come nigh unto him for the press, they uncovered the roof where he was. And when they had broken it up, they let down the bed wherein the sick of the palsy lay. When Jesus saw their faith, but repeat after me, saw their faith. When Jesus saw their faith, he said unto the sick of the palsy, Son, thy sins be forgiven thee. But there were certain of the scribes sitting there and reasoning in their hearts. Why doth this man thus speak blasphemies? Who can forgive sins but God only? You're exactly right. Only God can forgive sins. And immediately when Jesus perceived in his spirit that they so reasoned within themselves... He said unto them, Why reason ye these things in your hearts? Whether is it easier to say to the sick of the palsy, Thy sins be forgiven thee, or to say, Arise, and take up thy bed, and walk. But that ye may know that the Son of Man hath power on earth to forgive sins. He saith to the sick of the palsy, say un I say unto thee, Arise, take up thy bed, go thy way into thine house. And immediately he rose, took up the bed, and went forth before them all, insomuch that they were all amazed and glorified God, saying, We never saw it on this fashion. Not only did Jesus have declared that he had power to forgive sins, but he also believed or declared that he had power to heal this man. <clears throat> I resolved in my, my spirit a couple weeks ago that I wasn't going to try and be fancy anymore when I preach. I'm just going to preach what God gave me. And if it's too elementary, then I apologize. But I'm just going to try and do what God told me to do. So for just a few moments, I'd like to talk to us about this simple topic, expectation for change. Expectation for change. Can we lift our hands in this house? 
Lord, we so desperately need you. God, I'm nothing without you. God, anoint my lips, anoint this mind to speak your word with clarity and understanding the way that you gave it to me. I pray that you would anoint the, the hearer today. I pray that you would anoint their ears and their mind to receive and do your word. God, your word is going forth this morning. It will not return a void unto you. So God, I pray that it would fall on good soil this morning. I pray that it would reach the hearts of men. Speak to us today, oh God. Let us leave this house changed. Let us leave this house transformed by the renewing of our minds. Somebody say in Jesus' name. Jesus' name, amen. You can be seated. I'm sorry, Pastor Him, but I don't plan on being long today. He told me to make it long. <laughs> sorry. We'll see what God does, amen. Jesus' fame had spread far enough that people would begin to flock to him whenever he was in their city. They would crowd him seeking a miracle or word from God. You can read this all throughout the Gospels in the Word of God where Jesus would begin to go places and he couldn't even enter into some cities because there were so many people there that were looking for him and expecting him to be there. In this particular instance, they had come out to the house that Jesus would have most likely frequent, frequented, some scholars say. This place was Capernaum, and it was filled to the point of overflowing. The Bible called it the press. It said that they couldn't get in. They couldn't get anywhere close because of the press. There were so many people that it was as if you had to press your way in. It was so packed in there that you could not even see him, much less get into the house. I love the wording of this passage of scripture. The Bible says that it was noised abroad that he was in the house. Can I tell you today that Jesus is in this house? I don't say that cliche. I don't say that by... by just to get a response, but I mean it today that when I say Jesus is in this house. And I don't believe in coincidence. I don't believe that you are here by happenstance. I don't believe that you showed up to this church this Sunday morning, this particular week. I believe that it was divinely orchestrated by God that you were in this place. Some way, somehow, it was noised abroad to you. You heard it, you made your way over here. Someone invited you, you found us online, or you felt a nudge from God to come. Whatever got you here, it was not an accident. Whatever brought you to this place did not just happen. See, that's what our world wants to tell us is that things just happen. I don't know what brought you into this house today, but I want to tell you this one thing. You do not have to walk out of this place the same way that you showed up. I said, you do not have to walk out of this place the same way that you showed up. You've walked into the house of the one true living God. You've walked into the house of the healer. You've walked into the house of the way maker. This house is a house of prayer. This house is a house of refuge. This house is a house of deliverance. I'm sorry to break the news to you, but this isn't a normal house of worship. This isn't a normal church like any other church. Do I have any apostolics that believe that this morning? This isn't just some other Joe Schmo church on the corner somewhere serving cookies. This is a church with power. This is a church where his spirit dwells. 
This is a church where freedom rings. Not only did you walk into this particular house, but I want to tell you that whatever you walked into this house needing, God is here to meet that need. And he is able to meet that need. Whatever the situation, whatever the problem, whatever the circumstance, if you need a healing in your body, it's here. If you need deliverance for your mind, it's here. If you need your family to be saved, it's here. See, the interesting thing about expectation, I started thinking about it. It's not that difficult. But people can expect a lot of things. Another way to look at it is, it, look at it is as anticipation. If you're a couple, you could be expecting a child to enter in the world. You're anticipating something. Or, a little less serious, if you're a young lady, you could be expecting 10 packages on Thursday from five different stores. I told Sabria I was going to call her name specifically, but I guess I did. If you're a host, if you're hosting people at your home, you could be expecting guests. And if you are expecting guests, or if you have ordered a package, everybody knows what that feels like. They said Thursday by 12. It's 11.30. Man, didn't they say they'd be here by 6 o'clock? Man, it's, it's about that time. There's a, a level of anticipation that's building in your, in your mind and in your body. You start to get tense. If you're my wife, whom I adore and I love and who is not here, and I will hear this later. But if you're my wife and you're expecting guests, you're running around the house looking in every direction, at every nook and cranny, just waiting to be exposed. <laughs> just waiting for someone to come in with a glove, a white glove. You got dirt. <laughs> Anticipation has been building. I heard this little line in the song one time. It goes like this, the atmosphere of expectation is the breeding ground for miracles. In other words, where there is no expectation, there will be no miracles. Where there is no expectation, there will be no breakthrough. Where there is no anticipation of a move of God, there will not be a move of God. If there is no expectation of God to show up, It's not about how or if he can work a miracle or if he can meet your need. It's about our level of expectancy and belief that God can and that he will meet the need. It's up to you and I to set the atmosphere. It's up to you and me to come into this house with a spirit of expectation. Every time the doors are open that God, I don't know what you're going to do today, but I'm ready for it. Thank you for the four of you that responded that are on board with me. I wish there was a, a church in this house that entered these gates every single service and said, God, I'm ready for an outpour. God, I'm ready for your word. God, I'm ready for your spirit to move. 
See, I started thinking about this. God isn't like our parents who told you not to expect anything for Christmas because you've been bad, but then on Christmas morning, they get you exactly what you want. God doesn't work like that. If you come into his house and you don't expect a thing, baby, you can walk right back out those doors with nothing in your hand. God doesn't, God's not going to force a blessing on you. God's not going to force a healing on you. God's not going to force a deliverance on you. It's got to be somewhere deep in your heart that every time I walk through those doors, today's the day. Today's the day that I leave changed. Today's the day that I leave set free. Today's the day that I leave healed. Has anybody come in this house expecting God to move? See, there is a time in Jesus' ministry. Think about this. This is Jesus, the Messiah. He's working miracles left and right. He's, he's more famous than you and I will ever be. Even at this time, people know him from the north to the south, east and west. They've heard his stories. They've heard his parables. They've heard his teachings. It's been noised abroad. Everybody knows about it. Yet he comes to this one place. In Mark chapter number 6, the Bible says, And he went out from thence and came into his own country. He came to his own house. He went to his church. And his disciples followed him. And when the Sabbath day was come, he began to teach in the synagogue. And many hearing him were astonished, saying, From whence hath this man these things? And what wisdom is this which is given unto him, that even such mighty works are wrought by his hands? They've heard the stories. They've heard the testimonies. They've seen him work miracles. He comes back to his house, and here's what verse 3 says. The next thing that comes out of their mouth, they say, Is not this the carpenter, the son of Mary? The brother of James and Joseph. It's one thing to say, are you the brother of so-and-so? But it's another thing to say, are you the brother of all these guys? And basically put you at the bottom of the list. Are not his sisters here with us? The Bible says they were offended at him. Came into his own house. To his own country. To his own place. And the expectation was little to none. They walked in that house and they said, isn't, isn't it just another Sunday morning? Is, isn't this just, isn't this just a, a, a Sunday before impact? I'll wait till, till impact comes. I'll wait until something big happens. I'll wait until I see a blind man receive sight. I'll wait until I see something for myself. It's just another Sunday morning. Expectations were little to none. And yet Jesus was still there. And he was ready to work miracles. Because we read a little further on, the Bible says, and he could do, and he could there do no mighty work, save that he laid his hands upon a few sick folk and healed them. And he marveled. Because of their unbelief. And he went round about the villages teaching. Came to, came to his own house. Came to his own church, his own city. With his arms and his hands open wide. Ready to work miracles. 
surely if anybody would receive me, it would be my own saints. If anybody would, would show up with an expectation in their heart to receive something, it'd be the people that I'm closest to. But it wasn't the case. The Bible said he could do only a few things, a few works. He could only heal a few sick folk because of their limited expectation. I wonder if sometimes we don't come into God's house with low expectations and he leaves this place only touching a few sick folk and only restoring a few people. And only, see, this is the problem with, with our, our society today is that we think that it's only for a limited number of people. Or we don't think that it's possible for us because whatever we're going through is too big or is too beyond the realm of possibility for God. But God was ready to touch everybody in the house. Now, see, some of us still don't get it. Some of us are thinking that we don't even need anything. But it's, un it's not until you get to that place where you realize, God, I need you every single day. God, I need a blessing on Monday. I need a miracle on Tuesday. I need you to speak to me on Wednesday. I need you on Thursday. It's not until you get that mindset and mentality that you really get desperate and you really start to build some expectation for God to work not only in their life, but in my life as well. Not only in my brother's life, but in my family's life as well. I'm here today to tell you that it's not just for the first-time guests, and I'm thankful you're here, and God can't touch you, but I'm here to tell you it's for the saint that's been serving God for 30 years. God has a miracle for you, too. God has something that he wants to give you, too. But the question is, is where's your expectation at? Have you come into this house not expecting anything? Have you come into this house expecting a normal service, expecting to check a box and leave? Or have you come into this house with an expectation of the miraculous? Have you come into this house with expectation in your heart that God would move in this place like never before? Not just for me, not just for my family, but for this entire city. I wonder if we can lift our hands for just a moment. I wonder if every saint of God could stand on your feet and worship him for just a moment. Come on, let your expectation rise in this place. Come on, that's it. Lift your voice. Lift your voice, God. I'm not leaving the same way. God, I'm not sitting there like a bump on a log. God, I'm not leaving until you move. Woo. Woo. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Jesus. Jesus. See, some of us have been needing God to do something for a while. And because he didn't do it when it was promised to you, or because he didn't do it to you three months ago when you thought it should have been done, or because it didn't happen the way you thought it was supposed to happen. That you've just given up all hope. And you've just thrown in the towel. And you just come to church now to check a box. And just so Bishop doesn't have to call you and say, hey, where were you? Your expectation has gone from here to nothing. 
You used to come into this house uh, every service with your hands raised up at the front with tears down your face saying, God, uh, I can't wait for you to do it in my life. Uh, God, I need you to work a miracle in my family. God, I need a financial breakthrough. And when it hasn't happened, we've let it just slip out the window. I'm here to restore some hope in somebody today. I'm here to restore a little faith in somebody today that today could be the day that everything changes. Uh, today could be the day where you get what you've been waiting for. Today could be the day where you leave this place uh, with the thing that you've been longing for. Come to remind you that we serve a God uh, that can still do exceeding uh, and abundantly above uh, all that we could ask or think. Uh, you know what that means? Uh, that doesn't just mean that it's a lot. That means it's above a lot. That means whatever you can fathom, whatever you've been dreaming about, you can multiply that by a hundred. Yeah, you need, you need a new car. God's going to give you that and more. You need a house, God's going to give you that and more. It's exceeding abundantly. It's more than you could ask or even think. You don't serve a poor God. You don't serve a God that hasn't seen. My God, I wish I had some help in this house. We serve a God that owns the cattle on a thousand hills. We serve a God that has storehouses laid up. We serve a God of exceeding abundantly. But let me tell you today that it is still limited to your expectation. It is still limited to your expectation. You have access. You have access to all the money in the world. You have access to financial prosperity. You have access to healing. You have access to breakthrough. But you won't get a thing until you expect it in this place. You won't get a thing from God. It's my responsibility. If I want change, I got to go get it. If I want healing, I got to go get it. If I want breakthrough, I got to go get it. Some people argue that I play devil's advocate too much. I don't care. Because <laughs> see, sometimes the issue is that we come into God's house and we feel like we get lost in the midst of the crowd. We walk into God's house. There may be a little bit of expectation, but because of the press... We turn around and we say, maybe another day. Or maybe we'll come into the house and we'll be amongst the people of God. And we'll worship with the people of God. And we'll have the expectation, but we won't make a move because he doesn't even recognize me. He don't even see me in all these faces. On one hand, at the end of the day... It is your responsibility. Not even Jesus can force you to be saved. Bartimaeus, I know you're blind. 
do you want to be healed? Hey, Bartimaeus, Jesus is in the building. Jesus is walking by. Jesus, thou son of David, have mercy on me. God, I need you to heal me. Shh. Shh. There's too many people. He doesn't even notice you. Right there, he had a decision to make. Would he let someone else's response dictate and determine his expectation? Can I, just, can I just say this? I don't care what Sally is doing on the other row. I don't care what John is doing on the other side of the church. I've come to get a blessing from God for myself. You don't need five other people to run the aisle before you can go and run the aisle. You don't need five other people to stand up and amen and stand up and get with the service before you can get up and get with the service. You can have church all by yourself in this house and you could be the only one leaving with a breakthrough. On the other hand, on the other hand, a great responsibility lies on the saints of the house to do whatever we can to get you to Jesus. It's true. If you don't do anything, you're leaving with nothing. But at the same time, saint of God, it's my responsibility to set the atmosphere. It's my response. I'm talking to saints that you've got your healing. I'm talking to saints that your marriage has been put back together. Saints where you've been delivered. Saints where you've gotten a breakthrough. Now it's time for you to set the atmosphere for somebody else. Now it's time for me to get up and praise. Not for just me. That'll come with it. But for the people coming in through those back doors that have never felt a move of God in their life. For the people coming through those back doors that have never felt love in their life. It's up to me to set the atmosphere for this house. I could just talk to the church folk for a second. Somebody has to take up for the broken people. Somebody's got to go out there and put somebody on a stretcher and bring them into the house and tell them it doesn't matter how many people are in here. It doesn't matter what you're feeling or what you're going through. I'm taking you to Jesus. No, it, it's okay. I know there's a lot of people. You can sit with me. I know you don't have a ride. You can ride with me. All you need to do is get to the house. You let me worry about the rest. You let me set the atmosphere. See, I see. I'm, 
There's a lot of saints that are sitting down, and I know I'm nobody special, but the truth is is that there are people that are, that are waiting to get into this house, uh, that are waiting for a move of God, but they're not feeling anything because you can't do, because you're not doing anything on your road. There are people that are coming into this house uh, that are looking around, uh, trying to figure out what to do with their hands. Uh, I'm just being practical, trying to figure out what to do when the man of God gets to preaching. And all I'm doing is sitting down and staring up into space. If you don't set the atmosphere for this house, then who will? If you don't set the atmosphere for change, then who will? See, those boys could have come into that church service. They could have brought that friend there and said, ah, Bishop's not preaching this morning. Ah, all of our band's missing this evening. It's not going to be like a normal service, so I wouldn't expect much. I wouldn't expect much tonight because... You know, it's kind of just the third string preacher up in, up in there. He's just doing a little bit of teaching. What you've just done is instead of releasing expectation into the atmosphere, you've released poisonous gas into the atmosphere. So every time they breathe, they're breathing in doubt. And every time they breathe, they're breathing in fear. And every time they breathe, they're looking around and breathing in anxiety. When instead you could set the atmosphere for change, we turn the gas on and let it fill the room. I had an image in my head. I'm not a prophet. I'm not a visionary. But I feel like God gave me an image in my head of all of the saints of this church baptized in Jesus' name. Filled with the Holy Ghost, living a separated life, standing at the back door and shaking hands with every visitor and everybody that's walked in here, expecting change, expecting something different than a normal church, expecting something different than a, diff than a church down the street, and had to look him in their eye and say, I'm sorry. Just couldn't get to Jesus today. Sorry, friend. I'm glad you came to church, but, you know, he, he just, he was busy. He was, uh, he was tied up. He was preoccupied. See, what I love about that. Music, you can come. What I love about that is that when they got up on the roof and they began tearing it apart, somehow, some way, Jesus looked up and they were right there. They weren't over there. They were right there.
You may not think that's significant. But the faith that you put in to bringing somebody to Jesus, to setting the atmosphere, he'll meet them right where you bring them. The question is, is what lengths are you willing to go to to see somebody else saved? What lengths are you willing to go to to get somebody into the house and have an encounter with Jesus? As a church, we've got to set the atmosphere. It's my responsibility. But can I tell you something? The expectation is great. An expectation is important. I just spent the last, I don't even know how long talking about it. But it's not the end all be all. Because if we go back to our, our text, the Bible says that when the man, when the men let him down into the house, that he saw their faith. The Bible says he didn't heal him right away. The Bible says he forgave their sins or the man's sins. They let the man down. Their expectation was there. They set the atmosphere. They done everything right. But instead of getting what he wanted or needed, or what they thought he needed, he got something even more important. And that was that his sins were forgiven. So you have to understand the importance of sins being forgiven. Sins are those things that are contrary to God's word and that are contrary to the nature of God. It's those things that you do when you know you shouldn't be doing. And the healing is great. A breakthrough is great. Financial prosperity is great. But can I tell you something even more important than being healed? It's your sins being washed away. It's your sins being forgiven by Jesus. Jesus said at one part, one place, He said, I've come to seek and to save that which was lost. He didn't say he came to heal. It wasn't the purpose he came. He didn't come to perform many miracles. That wasn't the specific reason why he came to earth. He came to forgive sins. He came to set the captives free. All of the miracles, all of the blessings, all of that was a side benefit of having sins washed away. Can I tell you that if you've got a burden of sin on your back today, there are people that have set the atmosphere. I know you can feel it. God's tugging on your heartstrings. If you've got a burden of guilt on your back today, I'm telling you that more important than you leaving this house 
with your family put back together. I know it doesn't feel right. I know it seems contrary to what you want. But more important than you getting the, the blessing, the financial breakthrough that you need, or any of that stuff is having your sins completely washed away and forgiven. That's the whole purpose that we've come into this place today. It reminds me of the example of the, the, the story of the, the ten lepers that come to Jesus. The Bible says these ten lepers, it was a group of them. There were some Jews and Samaritans and a bunch of different guys. And the Bible says that Jesus, they, they, they happened upon him one day. And they, were, they began to worship him and they wanted to be healed. And Jesus told him, go and show yourself to the priest. And here again, their expectation could have been that I want it now. I want you to wave your hand. I want you to speak a word over my life. Because he did that. Jesus did that. And their expectation could have been that if it didn't happen the way I wanted it to happen, then it's not going to happen at all. But the Bible says they moved in faith. They went to the priest to show themselves. And the Bible says as they were on their way to the priest, their body was healed. But the story doesn't end there. Because the Bible tells us that one leper came back to Jesus. He was a Samaritan. He came back to Jesus. And he fell at his feet and began to worship him. And, and the Bible says that Jesus asked the question, were there not ten? Were there not more people in the house? Were there not more people that I touched? But because he came back and worshiped him, Jesus said, not only will you be made, not only are you healed, which is what they were expecting, but I'm going to give you something even greater. I'm going to make you whole. See, some people, they're fine with just getting a healing from God. Some people are fine with just getting deliverance, and God can do that. But something so much greater is being made whole. Because those nine lepers that left, they left with a nose still missing. Leprosy is a, is a skin debilitating disease. It literally just makes your, 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 your appendages and your skin just fall off. So some of those lepers might not have had any arms or legs or fingers. They left healed. No more leprosy. But they were still missing parts. They were still missing pieces of their lives. They were still broken. And Jesus said, because you came back and you worshiped, not only will you be healed, but I'm going to make you whole. And when you look into that word whole and you do a little digging, it basically means that he was saved. It means he was delivered. In other words, his sins were forgiven. More important than you getting healing. More important than any of that stuff. And that stuff is great. That stuff is, is beautiful. It's necessary. But more than any of that, I'm interested in your soul being saved this morning. Can we stand all across this house? I'm done preaching. The Bible only gives us one method to be saved. The world, will, the world will tell you that there's many methods, many different ways to be saved. But when you really crack open the Bible and you begin to read, there's only one way that we are saved. And that is the, 
the gospel message. Corinthians tells us that it's the death, the burial, and the resurrection of Jesus Christ. And Peter tells us in Acts how to apply the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ. He tells the, 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 the saints or the, the people, he tells them to repent of all of their sins. That means to turn away. That means to, to do a complete 180 and go the opposite direction, away from their sins. He tells them to be baptized, and specifically in the name of Jesus Baptism is full immersion. I know some churches and some religions teach a sprinkling, but that's not in the Bible. That's man-made religion. That's man-made ideology. It says to be baptized, and not just in any name, but in the name of Jesus. Because there is no power in any other name but the name of Jesus. Father, Son, and Holy Ghost are not names. Those are titles describing a specific person. And then the Bible says that, it's a promise that you'll receive the gift of the Holy Ghost. And it's with the evidence of speaking in other tongues. And it's a gift from God. That's how you get your sins washed away. That's how you leave this house changed. That's how you leave this house with an expectation in your heart that the next time I come back into this place... God's going to do something great. I wonder if we can lift our hands in this house. Come on, if, if God's dealing with you, if God's spoken to you, I wonder if you can respond to his word, respond to his movement. These altars are open. I invite you to make your way down to this house, and we'll pray with you in Jesus' name. God is moving in this place. God is moving in this house. I wonder if anybody is expecting God to change you right now. I know you came into this house with low expectation. I know you might have came into this house as just another Sunday morning. But I wonder if right now you can lift up your hands and lift up your voice and say, God, would you do it for me? God, would you do it for me? God, would you heal my family? God, would you break One, out in my two, life? Three. Come on, I wonder if we can lift our hands at this place. Come on, make your way down to the front. I invite you. See, it only works. It only works if you make the move. God is standing here. And he's waiting. But he's not going to force himself onto anybody. He's not going to force healing onto anybody. He's not going to force you to be saved. He's not going to force you to have peace in your heart. He's not going to force joy in your spirit. I'm talking to people that have come into this house and have had some restless nights. I'm talking to some people that have lost your joy a long time ago, that have lost your peace years ago. If you want it, you can have it. But you have to make the move. You've got to make the move and say, God, I'm ready. God, I'm ready for change. God, I'm ready for change. 
God, I'm ready for something different. Come on, if that's you, why don't you just reach out to him right now? Come on, somebody reach out to him right now. He's here moving in this place. He's here moving in this place. I want if every saint of God, if you got the Holy Ghost, if you've been washed by the blood of the Lamb, if you could find somebody in this house, I wonder if you can pray with somebody. Come on, let's set the atmosphere of change. Let's set the expectation in this place. Oh, come on, this is how you leave changed. This is how you get a move of God. This is how you get something from heaven. Eyes are open, miracles are in this place. Hearts are mended, grace extended, miracles are in this place.
Change 